So, happy Mother's Day. We, we again, are so thankful to have you. And um, I, I just, I wanted to take a moment and uh, introduce you to uh, my mom. And uh, her name is Rita. And uh, that's my brother to the other side of me, the one with a little more hair. And we were having a great day that day. Um, my, my mom, is. I talked to her this morning, and, and she's doing well. She said, yeah, there are thunderstorms down here in southern Indiana, and uh, the dogs are all scared, but I'll take care of my puppies. You know, she's like that. And um, what, I, what I love about my mom is God knew exactly who I needed and who my brother Steve needed. And my mom is literally a gift uh, to me from God. Uh, I believe that with all of my heart. Uh, growing up in my home, I would come home from school, and I don't know if she just saw it on my face or what. She'd go, you want to tell me about it? <laughs> no. <laughs> You're going to tell me about it. Okay. You know, she would have us tell stories three or four times to make sure everything lined up. My mom uh, was exactly who I needed. And you're exactly who your children need, moms. You're a gift from God. And so we wanted to take a moment and just say again, happy Mother's Day. We have some candy at the, uh, at the back, at the end of the service. Please wait till the end. Um, <laughs> there's a, someone back there going, no, nah, not this one, this one. Um, don't do that. Uh, but at the end, we have candy, and it's for all of the ladies, uh, youngest to oldest, uh, elementary kids to past elementary and um, we got candy for you, and we want to make sure that, that you get it because we love you. And again, yeah, give them a hand. Amen. Come on, we can do better than that. There we go. There are moms. <laughs> well, amen. Would you pause with me as we pray and get ready to jump into the word? We love you, Lord, and we thank you and praise you, and we ask Almighty God that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand. And Lord, as we look at your word today, we ask that just in a very real way, you would be big. That you would show yourself to us, Lord. And that as you show yourself to us, that we would walk in faith toward you. Use the power of your word, Lord, to to guide our hearts and minds through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Lord, help us to see. Not just to see, help us to hear. Not just to hear, but help us to respond for your good glory. And it's in Jesus Christ's precious and holy, holy, holy name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. So the question that we begin this whole series with is, how big is our God? Because what I've seen oftentimes is that we like to, we like to stop short on this one. Like God is really great in the beginning, but then things get hard. Uh, things don't go the way that we think they should. And, and somehow God goes from way up here to uh, maybe, maybe God's not as strong as we thought he was. Maybe God isn't as, as, as big. Maybe God doesn't love me like I thought he did. And so we're going to begin this with how big is our God. Because the answer to that question matters. And we're going to see it as we walk through the first five together. The first five is a series that Matt and I, we sat down together and as we were talking through like, uh, 
where do we sense God doing? Well, in, in a big way, we want to see the movement of the Holy Spirit through scriptures. And we're going to start with the first five books of the Bible. Now, throughout the Bible, from uh, Old Testament and New Testament, from Genesis to uh, Revelation, or to maps in some of your Bibles, all of that, the author, even though there are over 40 different authors, the author is really the Holy Spirit. And because the author is the Holy Spirit, we recognize that there are some consistent themes that, are, that come alive in Scripture that are laced throughout the Scriptures that we see over and over again. And even when we read in the New Testament Jesus' words, we recognize uh, instinctively that he is referring to a lot of passages in the Old Testament, and many of those passages are from Genesis. And so we're going to, we're going to pull out some, some themes, some ideas, but more importantly, we're going to point to Jesus to help us better answer the question, how big is our God? Are you ready? Are you ready? We're going to jump into this together. Let's do it. Keep in mind that the Bible is his story. This is about God. Sometimes we want to jump the gun a little bit, and we want to start with this being about us. And we intersect with this word for sure. But this is his story. This is God's story. And in dealing with God's story, we have to identify a major theme that arises right from the very beginning. And we'll see it. It's creation. Then it's fall. And then it's redemption. Creation, fall, redemption. It's a pattern. And we see it in the stories that are laced throughout Genesis and throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament. And if we would have eyes to see it, we could see it in nature itself. If we have eyes to see it, we could see it in our own lives. Creation, fall, redemption. Let's take a little closer look at that. Um, I'm just going to identify some major events, okay? <coughs> that is allergies. It's not COVID. I just want you to know. I feel like I have to say, do you guys feel that way too? Yes. Like it's, I promise it's allergies. Have you been tested? You know, do, do you know? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> ah, I'm sure it is. It's like, is that all we have is COVID? It's like COVID or nothing? No, there's allergies and you could actually have the flu and there are other things that could. Sorry, I'm moving on. Here we go. Genesis <laughs> events. Oh. <laughs> Stay with me, folks. Don't, don't, help, don't help this side thing out. Don't help that. Go with me here. Creation. Uh, so in creation, we see this movement of God, this powerful movement of God, and we see the fall of mankind, how God takes God's, or how mankind takes God's gift and says, it's not enough to be with God. We want to be like God and moves in that direction. We see the firstborn of woman in this. We see Noah and his family and their times. Again, there's this movement of creation. There is something new that is happening. Noah is, is alive to God and wants to follow him. And then there is a fall. The rain comes down. And then there is this redemption where the waters go away and earth starts again. We see this creation, fall, redemption throughout the scriptures and in these stories. The Tower of Babel, similar. Uh, Abraham, to the promised land. Isaac, 
Jacob becomes Israel, the sons and tribes of Israel, Joseph and his story in Israel to Egypt. We're highlighting a few of the, uh, the main stories from Genesis. But what I'd like to do is stick to that theme. I want to talk a little bit more uh, about this issue of creation, fall, and redemption. So let's look at it. This is God's story. It's his story. So how does his story begin with humankind? Okay, so that's, that's what we're looking at, with humankind. This isn't the beginning of God's story. He's always existed. It blows our minds to consider that, but it's true. And then we look at this intersection of mankind, humankind. And here it starts with the creator, and the creator gives freedom. And then we see our sin and the fall. Let's look at some scriptures together. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 1. <coughs> Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God. I love that. There's no debate in scripture. Like, the assumption is there is a God. Uh, it, it's not, in the beginning, oh, we debated, is there a God? Isn't there a God? We're not sure. It's an interesting thing that cultures throughout time and history have always come to this conclusion that there is a God. Now, they've debated on which one, but there's, there's something born inside of us that knows there's got to be something grander and bigger than us. In the beginning, God. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. I love this. I love the way that it, it comes out in, in Hebrew. It's kind of like, uh, it, it looks passive in English, but in Hebrew it's more like, exists light, light exists. Uh, I love that about God and his work and his word and the power of his word. Continuing on. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And this is the creation account. And by the way, you're going to hear this throughout scriptures. And when you look in the New Testament, you may be surprised to see how many times there is an allusion back to this account, this creation account, the beginning of the story. But... Sadly, there, there is a fall there. And we'll start in verse 9 of Genesis chapter 3. Give me an allergy moment. Thank you. Genesis chapter 3, verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? I, do you think God didn't know? Do you think that's the intention there? Like, I know I put him in this garden somewhere. Where'd he go? Like, I don't think that's it. Uh, this seems to be a lament. God said, where are you? What have you done? This is after they have decided to eat of the tree that they weren't supposed to eat the fruit of. This is after that. Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he, God, said, who told you you were naked? That is mom wisdom. That's what I call that right there. Like, you've been caught now, Adam. <laughs> That's mom wisdom. Who told you you were naked? You never knew what naked was. Who told you about that? 
Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, do you see that? It's kind of my fault, God, but this kind of falls on you a little bit here. The woman you gave me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. So you see, there's not a lot of ownership. By the way, this is, this is our default. We all do this. Ah, it was situational. Ah, I wouldn't have done it except somebody else made this happen. That kind of thing. We, it's a default. We all do it. Uh, we see it in the garden, and we haven't really changed. Verse 14 Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is the, this is the first prophecy that we see in Scripture, the first messianic call that we can clearly identify in Scripture. Continuing on. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Again, up to this point, as far as we can tell, how did people multiply? Well, God opened up the man and took a rib out. And formed the woman. And now God is changing the plan. And it comes from sin in the garden. We can thank Eve and Adam. Verse 17. (laughs) And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you. Again, this is your fault, Adam. Uh, It's not anybody else's fault. This is you. Of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of, your, because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now we're getting ready to transition into something that I think is an allusion to Christ. This is going to be a direct point. Like, uh, there is something about to happen. God is going to reveal his hand in a way. The Holy Spirit is going to show us something. Watch this. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for her Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. God made it. God clothed them. They are robed now in something that only God could give them. Those figs or whatever they were making in the garden, they didn't do the job. Uh, But God's work does. And we see in this story creation. We see a fall. And now we're seeing a redemption. God is restoring. Now they're going to have to leave Eden, right? And from that point, we're going to see God's story develop. And in God's story, 
he's going to do all he can to bring people back to him. That's his plan. That's his work in all of this. So what I want to do now is, is pause that story of Genesis because there is a place for us to personalize it. For us to say, okay, so what does this mean to me? And what I'd like to do now is for you in your own brain to think about, there was a time early on, a time of innocence, right? There was this time where you, you walked innocently and sin crept in early on. And the sin seized you. And the sin uh, spread in your life. And it went into other areas of your life, and it affected and infected areas of your life. That's called the fall. God's standard is perfection. We want to grade on the curve. It doesn't work that way with God. So there is a fall. But God wants to redeem. God has an idea and a plan, and I want to share it with you here. For the wages of sin is death. Pause there. Anybody ever had an hourly job? You weren't on salary. You worked for an hourly wage. Most everybody has at some point in their life had that. So every hour you work, you get paid X amount of dollars. That's how, that's how that works. This is it. For the wages of sin is death. When we sin, we get paid a wage. And that wage is death. Now, the death that they seem to be talking about here, if we can look at the full expanse of Scripture, is not the death of we stop living, though that is a part of the curse. This is a death that is a separation from God. Separated. If we're going to choose sin, then we're not choosing God. If we're going to walk in sin, then we're going to live in death, a separation from God. But it goes on from there. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the redemptive part. It's a gift. What's the gift? The work that Jesus did on the cross. We talked about being clothed earlier, that how God clothes. This is how he clothes us, through the work of Jesus Christ. See, because of sin, there was a payment that is demanded. That's laced in in Leviticus, and we'll get into that uh, another day. But that's laced in throughout the scriptures that there's, there's a debt that is required for sin. We saw it in the sacrifices throughout the Old Testament. Again, that'll come out later. But there is a requirement. And God was willing to come in the flesh and meet that requirement. And he paid it for you and for me. And it's a gift, and it's offered, and it's extended. And the question is, will you take it? Will you take that gift? There's a movement right now that says, okay, well, Jesus did that work, and so it's just for everybody. You're all covered. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But that is a heresy that started way back when, where they they said things like this. Let's just keep sinning. Because of God's work, our sins are covered. So the more sin we have, the greater God's gift is, so we keep sinning that grace may abound. And Paul said, no, no, heaven forbid. Do not continue to sin that grace may abound. That's not the way that it works. So what am I saying? I'm saying 
that we have to receive the gift, that we have to take it. Have you taken this gift? If we're going to personalize it, have you taken this gift? It goes on from there. If you have received this gift, and I know many of you have, you've said, yes, I'm receiving Jesus as my Savior. I want to follow Jesus. I love Jesus. Some of you were baptized a couple weeks ago, uh, and, and that was the message that was so clear, right? I want to follow Jesus. Yeah, I've received Jesus as my Savior, and I want to follow him. I want him to be the important thing in my life. I want to I love Jesus more. I want to know Jesus more. I, that's got to be my life. Many of you have made similar claims. And we look at Romans. Romans uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believed, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Uh, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I don't know if you heard that one, so I'm going to read it again. And there is salvation in no one else, For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Amen. Amen. This this is the Lord Jesus. And for those of us who have received this gift, there is a transference that has occurred now. The only way to salvation is Jesus. It's not going to be good works. It's not going to be because we're nice enough. It's not going to be from where we live. Like what I love about right now, just like I, I identified with moms, like, God knew exactly who your mom needed to be to point you to himself. And sometimes moms knock it out of the park and sometimes moms don't. And dads do the same thing, like that's life. But what we do know is that God uniquely put them there to help point us to Christ. And he's speaking to us through this. There is no other name given unto man whereby we may be saved. It's a big deal. It's a really big deal. So what do we learn from Genesis in this, in this, uh, during our time? I really like 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go there and, and highlight this passage. It's a, um, it's, it's a passage that sometimes we, we overlook. We're reminded just before this that we're new creations. The old is gone. The new has come. Did you catch that phrase again? Creation. It's there again. It's an allusion to something that has happened. There is this old creation, but God is doing a new work in us. He is creating us anew when we receive Jesus. And then starting in verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you with reconciliation real quick because there are some phrases that we throw around sometimes that... That we use poorly. I'll say it that way. We use them poorly. So uh, here's one. We, we say words like forgiveness and restore and reconciliation. And we often use those three phrases uh, in a way that the lines are blurred. So I want to give you an illustration to help you to, to best understand re- reconciliation, or at least I think it'll help. And that's this. So uh, 
my friend Chad, he's right here in the front row. And so, Chad, I'm, I'm just going to use you. We're good, though, right, me and you? We're good. All right, good. <laughs> That's important for me to know before I go there. Uh, so I go to Chad and I say, hey, Chad, I, I just came up short this month and I need 100 bucks. Could you loan me 100 bucks? And Chad goes, yeah, you know what, Kenny, I could give you 100 bucks. But here's the deal. Can you pay me back on Tuesday? Yeah, sure, Chad. Of course I can pay you back on Tuesday. So Chad gives me the 100 bucks. Tuesday comes. I'm like, Chad, I am so sorry. I don't have the money. And Chad goes, okay, well, what about next Tuesday? I'm like, cool, next Tuesday. Next Tuesday rolls around, but I don't. And Chad sees that Kenny isn't here. Now, I wouldn't do this to you. I just want you to know this isn't like a real story. Um, but, but if I, and, and Chad goes, well, wait a minute. Kenny's not coming around. Here's what I'm going to do because my relationship with Kenny is more important than $100, though I would have liked that $100 back. I'm going to go to him, and I'm going to forgive him. So he comes to me, and he goes, Kenny, you do not owe me anything. That's forgiveness. That's all forgiveness is. You don't owe me anything. I don't owe him $100 now. If I have $100 later and I give it to him, that's bonus. That is not what I owe him. He is saying, you are forgiven. Now, if I come back the next week and I say, Chad, I came up short again. Can you give me $100? And he gives me $100, he's enabling me, and that's a problem. (laughs) That is. Forgive and forget is not biblical. I'm just telling you that. That's not how it works. But what Chad might do is say, Kenny, I can't give you $100. But I'll tell you what, I'll give you a dollar. And you pay that back, I'll give you $2. You pay that back, I'll give you 5 You pay that back, we'll go to 10 and we'll see where it goes. So that's what happens. And I go to Chad and I'm like, uh, here's that dollar back. Here's that $5 back. Here's that $10 back. Here's, and we, we go through that process, that's restoration. At the end, when I pay him that 100 that's better than where we started That's reconciliation. We're good. You see that? You see that? That's our ministry. How do we get things better than where they were? Well, we do that in Christ. And we're going to see that in the next few verses. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. How cool. this, This time of the world, maybe it's... It's weird. Like, I've never gone through a worldwide pandemic before. I, probably you haven't either. But here's what I love about where we're at. This. We have this message that the world doesn't have. And, and as, as good as some of the messages that we hear, and, oh, this might help, and you know, try this, and maybe you go on social media, and you're overwhelmed with the love that's pouring out on social media towards one another. I... <laughs> being so sarcastic right now. And, but we have this message. It's this message of Jesus. It's this message that we've been given. And it's this message that the world doesn't have. And it's this message that carries with it hope and restoration and reconciliation in a way that nobody else can. And we see this in Genesis played out and it's followed up in verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Pause there just for a second. Ambassadors, what's an ambassador? An ambassador is someone who carries uh, with them the, the agenda of a country to another group of people. Uh, they don't get to change it. Uh, I, I like to think of it maybe in a, maybe in a, a micro way like a mailman. You know, you know your, your mail person? 
if they're a good mail person, they just deliver your mail. That's all they do. They just go, here's your mail. Here it is. There's your mail. They don't go, oh, man, you know, I saw Kenny the other day, and he looked like he was really struggling. He probably shouldn't have this bill right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to it. That's a terrible, that's a terrible mail person, right? Uh, oh, man, this is something that works better for me than for Kenny. That's a terrible mail. You just deliver the mail. That's all you do. We're ministers of reconciliation. We're ambassadors for Christ. We just deliver the mail. What's the mail? We're sinners. We need a Savior. Christ died on the cross for our sins. He conquered sin and death. He rose from the grave, and he gives life to anybody who would call on him. And anybody who calls on him, no matter how bad or how good or what their nationality is or how wealthy they are or how poor they are, if they receive Jesus as their Savior, they're saved. They're reconciled to God, and that's the message that we deliver day by day by day. Amen? Amen. So how big's our God? He's absolute. I mean, I don't know what you're going through right now, but I know God's bigger than that. I don't know what, what hurt you're maybe even holding on to, but there's this story, and the story is creation and fall. And if you're in that place of fall, I, I want to encourage you that God can meet you in that place. In fact, God has a plan in that place. And he wants to redeem it and is willing to redeem it if we'd offer it to him. So here's what I want to encourage you to do this week. It's a, it's a faith experiment. If you have your phones, I would encourage you to take a picture, just a snapshot of this uh, real quick. I want to identify it for you. Write out your story. Just like we see God's story play out in Genesis and throughout the scriptures, I want to encourage you to write out your story. It doesn't have to be like, you know, the great American novel. It doesn't have to be that. In fact, you could probably do this in a page, a page and a half. Uh, If you're typing it, use size 12 font. You do it in a half a page. (laughs) Write out your story. What was life like before Christ? What What happened? What was your default sin, that sin that kept, is like a hook. You know, I, I kept going to it. Maybe it was lying or cheating or stealing or, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's something else. Maybe there's this deep, dark secret that you've been holding on to. What's that default sin? What's the crisis? And the crisis may include an event or a feeling. The crisis is that moment where you realize, I, I am slipping into eternity, and the eternity I'm slipping into is not heaven. This crisis moment of recognizing I can't do this on my own. And how Jesus rescued you. Now, this, this part should include a repentance of sin. Repentance means to have a change of mind, an absolute conviction that this is not the right direction and that God is. That's the repentance. I heard someone share just recently about this. They said, I grew up in church. Uh, I like church. You didn't have to convince me there was a God. I knew there was a God. But what you did have to convince me of that took me until I was 30 was that I was a sinner and that I was in need of a Savior. That's a big message. Like, at that moment, 
When this person was 30 and they recognized that they were a sinner and needed a savior, then they recognized the power of God in their life, that he is the one who heals, that he is the one who cares, that he is the one who transforms. Then I want to encourage you to share it with two people. Now, those two people, they could be other believers. Right now, what, I, what I'm trying to encourage us to do is, is like, let's practice giving our testimony. And, and it could be another believer. And then ask for feedback. Hey, is there anything in this that, uh, that you see that I can... Like, don't ask for grammar. Like, that's not, that's not what we're trying to work on there. But does this story make sense? Do, is there something you would suggest? Give me some feedback. Now, I want to tell you that I'm already doing this with some people, so please don't ask me to do it so I don't have a 100 of these to do in the next week. I would really appreciate that. But look for other people. Who's someone that we could share this with? Make sense? Makes sense. God is at work. He has a plan, and it's a good plan, and we see it lived out throughout his word, creation, fall, restoration, redemption. It's all there. And it plays out in our lives too. In just a moment, we're going to have an offering. The worship team's going to come out and you'll recognize the, uh, the ushers will come forward and, and we'll have buckets. You can still give online if, if that's the method that you choose. But one thing I want to encourage you to do and, and just kind of a, I don't know, as a, a mental exercise. As the buckets come, imagine placing yourself in that offering the offering to God, as if you're saying, God, I'm more than money, more than my connect card, more than that. I'm offering myself to you. Just in a symbolic way, I would encourage you to do that as the ushers come. Let me close in prayer. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We praise you, O Lord, and ask that you would be exalted. We thank you for your word and we thank you for this offering. And, and Lord, I, I would just pray now and ask that you would use this offering for your glory. And that for all of us, as we symbolically place ourselves in that offering and say, Lord, it's, my life is for you. I'm giving myself to you, again, that we would renew that, that in our own hearts. And then also, Lord, for the finances that come in, that we would be good stewards of that which you've given us. That we would be able to use these funds to advance your kingdom that it would be your will that we would be seeking. And, and Lord, I, I thank you so much for how you've used friendship all of these years. And, and at the same time, we recognize that it's about you, not about friendship. So we ask that you would help us to be good stewards. And Lord, we also pray for those who are putting connect cards in there for the prayer requests that are coming in, that you would meet those needs and that you would be exalted again. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.